coming up this week off screen. The Angry Birds get a movie. We get a new case of cabin fever. Patrick Stewart shows us to the green room. We tame a Mustang. And Ewan McGregor is our kind of traitor. All those to come and more off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. Case Allen. Oh, so you are getting to introduce yourself again this week. Yeah, I was just straight into it. You were straight in. You weren't giving me any chance. Boom, Case Allen, done. This is who I am. That's it. This is who I am. I'm proud of it. The end. Fair enough. I Mm. won't take your intro from you again. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got an interesting week this week. The Angry Birds are finally here. Oh, I've, I've been waiting for... Ever since I downloaded the app on my phone for them to make a film with us. Yeah, yeah. funny thing about that is it, it feels it's always felt like the Angry Birds movie was going to be five years in the future at any given time. Mm. And and now it's here and it's real. And yeah. Right. So it's, it's happened. So okay, because it, it has been brought to our attention that uh, we, we don't include enough film news in the radio broadcast of the show. So I've made a concerted effort with this week's lineups that we can do more. News-wise, I think. We, we love the film news. We do, and we yeah, didn't get to good. talk about the biggie, as you just pointed out. We didn't get to talk of about the biggie course, last yeah. week, uh, because I think it was still breaking as we were we were, we were recording. I, th- so. I think it, it just happened on that Wednesday afternoon, didn't it? It did. So, okay, do you, do you want to take it? You take it. Uh, I, I I will take it. <laughs> you take it. You're the one who can pronounce his name anyway. So. Okay, so uh, my man, uh, Mr. Alden Arenreich. And, and what do we know, Mr. Alden? We know him from film uh, Beautiful Creatures, and most recently, most recently from the Coen Brothers' uh, Hail Caesar. Or would it be this? Would it were, would it be so simple? Would, would that it were so would, simple? Would it were so simple yes. to say his last name? Would that it he were is so your new Han Solo. Your young Han Solo. Young Han Solo, people. And yet he looks older than Harrison Ford did in A New Hope. But he's got the chin. He has got the chin, and that's yeah. the important part. I want to see him in the waistcoat now. With that's... the waistcoat and the hair, I think yeah. he'll be a pretty dead ringer. I, I was figuring he has like curly hair, doesn't he? Does, does Alton... Aaron it's Martin, it's fairly cut, but there's, there's things that people can do in Hollywood. You can straighten hair. You can straighten you can hair, straighten hair that's, now, yeah. that's apparently a thing. So, uh, can we talk about my favourite my favorite story of the week? Because this this one came last night. All right. What, 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 was, what was your favourite? Okay, so th- th- there is there, there is an organisation or a group mm. or you know, a little clique of people who have taken to Change.org under the name Free Critics from Disney. And they have set <laughs> up a Change.org petition for... Just wait for it, right? I'm, I'm sat down. To, to stop... Disney from paying off critics to slam non-MCU movies, non-Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And this oh. apparently has come about because, firstly, you had Batman Superman mm. and all the critics hating it. And then, yeah, and this, definitely. and I swear this is a direct quote from the, uh, from, from the actual mm. petition itself. And then, apparently, we gave Civil War an Oscar... And and now and now we want to push uh, X Men Apocalypse aside. Apparently, we have the ability to give Oscars now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is a thing. Are you aware of this? Well, I must have lost that, that email invitation. Is, is that why Leo had so many Oscars for all those years? Because all why? the critics were just like, we yeah. love him. Yeah, yeah, that's him what it is. That's, that's why. That's why Leo did not spend yeah. all those years trying. Yeah, it's, for an it's, Oscar. it's almost like the. Um, the the Golden Globes are now in charge of the Oscars. It, it really like the is, isn't it? isn't it? Yeah. So this is this petition. It has three hundred and eighty-seven signatures on it as of when I checked this morning, mm. and apparently it needs five hundred to be taken seriously. But you can't help but wonder: 
Taken seriously by whom? What is the goal of this petition? This isn't a real thing. If Disney are paying off critics, no critic I know personally has heard of it. No. I, I have asked. No. They don't know. And also, I want to be really frank about this, where the hell are my checks? Because I'm down on, <laughs> on Batman Superman. Uh, if, if X-Men Apocalypse turns out to be bad, I'll be down on that as well. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pro-MCU because you, those movies... You're one of the most vocally negative people about uh, Batman v Superman. So they should be <sighs> yeah, but... pulling up a truckload of cash. They, they, they really should. So yeah, yeah Disney. If, if, this was accurate. if you're listening, Disney, please get in touch. I have bank de- bank details to share. I also accept PayPal. Please get in touch and and let's work this out because I'm doing this for you for free already. You know, it's just unfair to not be paying yeah. me the slime. And they've had a pretty good financial year as well. So yeah, far. yeah, you, you they, can. They've got a dollar or two yeah, to spare. They can yeah. spare a shekel. You know, they can spare a shekel. <laughs> so, um, oh, Oscar Isaac's got a new film. Have you heard about this one? Uh, potentially. I feel like he always has new oh, projects coming up. He's yeah. the new Dwayne Johnson. He has a film every 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's, that's <laughs> it. Oscar Isaac is the new Dwayne Johnson. That's a sentence you don't hear very often. I'd love to see them in a film together. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Get yeah. Oscar Isaac in oh. the, um, the, the the thing. The, the Jumanji one? The, yes, Jumanji. Sorry. <laughs> Jumanji. Blanked the Jumanji remake. Get him oh. in with, with Rock. Do you know what? I feel like if Oscar Isaac got a role in the Baywatch reboot, he would go method with it and like bulk up. And yeah, I, yeah. F- I feel like that would happen. But Oscar Isaac won't be in Baywatch. He's going to be in a film called A Foreigner, mm. which has led to many re- very strange headlines that have said Oscar Isaac is a foreigner. To which you just think, I don't think you thought that one through before you hit publish. But uh, yeah, so Oscar Isaac is given the lead in a Guatemalan set film called A Foreigner, in which he is a man who is who is killed uh, by sort of uh, corrupt bad guys, and. Uh, no sooner is he killed, though, than he has already made arrangements for footage of his murderers to be disseminated into the world wow. in order to expose not only his own murder but their corrupt killings elsewhere as well. This sounds kind. Of, that sounds kind sounds of clever. Very interesting. Is it? Has it got a, a writer or a director? I, or? Offhand, I could not. I could not tell you offhand. I, I only. I only know the the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. But okay. uh, but he's, he's one of those actors now. But whenever he is announced for a project. People are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there. You're, He's you're insured quality. Quite, quite like a temple star. I would say. It is. Yeah. He, you are insured quality with with Oscar Isaac, and that is that. That's the thing about him. Is it's like when he's in Star Wars, like yeah, within two minutes we know we're safe with you, Oscar. Yeah. And that, that, that I think deserves applauding. Mm. So uh, plug, plug the podcast real quick, because obviously we get a certain number of films we can fit into the radio-length radio, radio length show, and there's certain ones we can't, so we have to shunt those ones to after the credits into the podcast extras, where you also get our moment of cage and any yeah. leftover film news. <laughs> and the moment of cage is always worth it. That's how you end a show, because frankly we couldn't come up with a... A sign off. We we couldn't. We kind of borrowed from John Stewart a little bit with his uh, was it moment, moment of, Zen? of Zen. Moment of Zen. And we thought, what, no, is, what is more Zen than Nicholas the Cage? Idea, the idea was we were doing the moment of Zen because John Stewart had left the Daily Show. We were doing moment of Cage because John Stewart had right. left the Daily Show, and as far as we knew, he was taking the moment of Zen gimmick with him, so it was safe. No one else was going to be doing it. And then Trevor Noah took over the Daily Show, and he still does the moment of Zen, and it antagonizes me now because I love the Daily Show. And Trevor Noah is really good at it, and he is really. Good. I feel yeah. like he's unfairly criticised, but uh, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So, podcast edition expanded, extended, far more f- filmic fun to be enjoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. Go along to onscreenfilm.com in the off-screen section, or you can go on iTunes, or you can go on on YouTube, SoundCloud, uh, A-cast, tune in, Acast, tune in, yeah. all these things. They're they're all just find. We are. Pod- we're just everywhere. Aren't we, we are everywhere. We are like Oscar Isaac. We are like Oscar Isaac. Yeah, we're <laughs> everywhere. Twenty twenty minutes later, you'll spot us in another place. Uh, <laughs> whatever your podcast app of choice is, we're on there. So download the full off-screen podcast it doesn't cost you anything and you get more out of it so yay <laughs> so shall we uh, shall we look at the the 
top ten for the week, then. I think we should. Why we should, not? Let's let's get that out of the let's way and get it. that started. Number ten. Twenty-four. No, it's not the twenty-four we know and love. It is. Uh, this is actually a Bollywood film. I did okay. look into. It's, it's Tamil. It's written as Tamil. Hmm. That's not Bollywood, is it? Tamil. Um, technically, no. Technically, no. Definitely. But it is a Tamil film, so I, I I did look into it because there was a Bollywood version of Twenty Four, believe it or not, lasted a whole season. Really? But uh, wow. really, yeah. yeah. It was it was a big show. Number nine. Bastille Day. Bastille Day. Not the Mother's Day, New Year's Eve, uh, uh, what was the other one? Valentine's Day. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Sequel that we Martin all hope for. Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. yeah. We are hoping for that one. I really want to see Martin Luther King Day. It'd be the rom-com version of Crash. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would That's be. That's the film we're all waiting That's for. That's the film you want to see, isn't Come on, it? Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Gary Marshall. Get it together. Uh, so, no, uh, Bastille Day, is, it's dumb fun. It's schlocky action. It's, it's Idris Elba with that faux American accent he occasionally likes to put on. And, and Richard Madden doing some of that swagger that he... Well, hinting at some of the swagger that he applied to Cinderella, but not quite getting to do as much of it. You'll forget it the minute you left the cinema, but you will at least remember that you faintly enjoyed it. And I suppose that's that's kind of something. Number eight. 28 Days Later, it's a secret cinema. Now, I've been to this, mm. so I, I can talk about this, and it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there are still tickets available, and I didn't realise secret cinema actually fluctuates. It's not a set programme. They do mm. alter things periodically. So yeah, if you go I on... I it was just kind of No, if you go on thing. day one... And, and and then again on the last day, two very different shows. They That's they they change it up, and this kind of plays because it got a really bad write up in the Guardian. I don't know if you saw really? this. No, it got a really bad write up on the first because I went to the second press day. They did the first press day, mm. and uh, I completely forgot that you were even going. You did, you did tell me about the it. Guardian tore it apart, but because they alter the show because it's fluid. None of those criticisms were present at the one I attended. It was all gone. Huh. It's brilliant. Do check it out. Fantastic time. Number seven. <laughs> Zootropolis. <laughs> that song. Uh, does it really I, lo- I love that film. I don't love that song anymore. Really? Is, yeah. is, it, is it worn you down? Just yeah. I can't hear that next week. Oh no! I've got the uh, I've got the one at the moment from Once in my head. I've I've never seen Once, but I watched. An oh, episode the, of the the main song, the John Carney. Yes, yeah, that. Yeah, well, I don't know the beginning of it because there was an episode of uh, Last Man on Earth where Jason Sudeikis and uh, Will Forte keep habitually singing it together and driving everyone nuts. Oh, but, that's that's, it is a good film. You check I out. will check yeah. it out. In the meanwhile, uh, Zootropolis or Zootopia, it's very good. <laughs> it's excellent. It's kind of biting. It's fun for the kids, fun for the adults. Go and check it out. Number six. I in the Sky, which we haven't seen because uh, Entertainment One. So yeah, so yeah, so Entertainment One. So obviously we don't get to attend the National Press Show for that one because... However, I do hear good things about I, it. I hear brilliant things about it yeah. and I, th- I, I really want to see Alan Rickman's final film. But, uh, you know, you can't win them all, and I'm sure I'll see it when it hits home release. But, uh, you know, it'll DD. Tomorrow's another day. Let's drop the needle. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So uh, let's uh, let's have a look then at uh, this. Is kind of going to be the big cult favourite this week, mm. I think. So this is and also also was directed by a man who I believe you have quite quite a, a high opinion of. I've got some form with. Yeah. yeah. So Mr. Jeremy Sonia has brought us Green Room, which is unfortunately regarded somewhat as the uh, the the Patrick Stewart horror movie, which I think is quite unfair. It's just because he is the biggest name in it. He's a, he is the biggest name, but also because Patrick Stewart's gone very meta in recent years, and he's yes. sending himself up on American Dad. He's sending himself. Up Blunt on, talk. On blunt talk. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And now he's done this, in which he's a neo-Nazi killer, and you think, okay, 
what's Sir Patstu going to do with this? And, well, <laughs> have a lot of fun, it seems to be the appropriate answer, but not in the meta sense. So what you've got, you've got a band. They're a bit of a pretentious hipster rock band. I'm in. They're, so sold. Yeah, sold. they're called the Ain't Rights. Yeah, it's like they made this film for you, Case, really. <laughs> They're called The Eight Rights. And they are they don't do social media because that's not connecting with their audience. That's just advertising. I'm not on Facebook. This, I, it, this is a perfect band. I know, this is like you, the movie. It's like Case Allen, the movie. Anyway, <laughs> so the band consists of Anton Yelchin, uh, Joe Cole, uh, there's another guy whose name I forget, and Ali Ashorkat from Arrested Development. Who I, I love. Yeah, I, I, naturally yeah. enough, yes. <laughs> and they, they, go to a, they go to play a gig in... In this remote sort of Pacific Northwest Oregon roadie bar, which it turns out is is frequented solely by neo Nazis, because as you do, so the Ooh. first thing they do is they get on stage and they perform a song deliberately designed to antagonise this audience, and it's by the Dead Kennedys, and it's it, it involves Nazis, it involves right. Nazi punks. Yeah. I just say because I can't yeah, say yeah. the title. So yeah, you know the song, and they play that, and they they, they start getting you know battles thrown <laughs> at them, and they cause a bit of a scene. But they manage to pull the pull it back, and they they play their actual set and their own songs, and they you know they they bring the house down, so to speak, and everyone has a good time, and they think they've saved it. Of course, then when they're trying to leave the club, and they go into the green room. One of them leaves their phone behind, and they go to get it, and it turns out that someone's been stabbed in the head. <laughs> And they've witnessed ah. it, and they now have to stay there, imprisoned within the green room, whilst these neo-Nazis <laughs> clean it up, dispose the dispose the body <laughs> and everything, get everything sorted, sweep it under the rug, literally and so to speak, and you know deal with the cops, etc. However, that of course leaves one very very key component left over, chiefly the band, who are the only thing tying these neo-Nazis to the dead person, the dead girl, who strangely looks an awful lot like Mary Elizabeth Winstead from a certain angle, although hmm. we never see her alive, I don't think, so it never really comes up. Um, and Sir Patstu leads these neo-Nazis, and before you know it, they are trapped within the green room with a hostage and a five-bullet handgun, <laughs> uh, stood atop a meth lab, forced to fight for their lives as they are basically attacked from all sides by vicious neo-Nazis who seem to have no shortage of carpet knives, handguns, and evidently guillotine blades. We have a clip. He's got six bullets. <laughs> For real? We all go once. Christ, hold off a sec. For what? We haven't done anything. It doesn't matter. Okay. They're called cartridges. The bullet is a part that enters your brain if you keep talking. And this gun only has five cartridges, not six. Because they're big and only five fit the cylinder. So please, don't test me. You should make it worse. We sit, and we wait. And we die. Not if you sit and you wait. So yeah, that's that, and that's before everything kicks off. So it's already kind of threatening, right? So first and foremost, right? I, I don't think we can argue anymore that uh, clearly Jeremy Solnier, the writer director of this film, mm. has a thing about colours in his title because we've gone from blue room to green room. Yeah. However, his next film it's not going to be red tractor or whatever. It's, it's not going to be a red film. Okay, Sorry. so it's not going to be a red one or, 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 or yellow other color. Or, no other color. or sepia or uh, oh sepia. Or, if you've gone magenta, that's that's really classy hmm. or cyan. Anyway, okay, so uh, right, so, uh, so obviously this case comes on the back of of Blue Ruin, which opened to near universal critical acclaim. I gave it a good review. I know you were a big fan of it. I was. Uh, the star yeah. of that film, Macon Blair, does turn up in this as uh, Patrick mm. Stewart's subordinate, but he hasn't got his big he, he's beard not, or long hair and stuff. I, I think he looks weirdly like Joe Latrulio. 
Do you know what? I said yeah, that. I, I from, said that yeah. before, yeah. Think of my galaxy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, the problem is, you, you go into this and you do think, oh, it's the Patrick Stewart horror movie. It's really not. It's so much more than that. It is from Dust Till Dawn with neo-Nazis. And it's exactly as good as that concept sounds. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no two ways around that. It is horribly uncomfortable to sit through at times. Mm. I, I am rarely affected by things I see on the cinema screen. I'm kind of detached by that. You know, I can, I, You've I, seen I, a lot of films. Well, yeah, but I can merrily sit and watch whatever Hostel sequels out this week yeah, whilst course, having yeah. my dinner, and it doesn't faze me. This film, I was genuinely perched on the edge of my seat, fist in mouth, going, Oh my God, let it stop. And, <laughs> and I was not alone. There were audible responses mm. in the screening from, from people, from horror publications. People from horror publications right. coming out with people audible People really responses. deeply affected by it. People who should know better. It's a bit and, like um, uh, Bone Tomahawk, I guess. Kind of yeah. like that. But this is a lot more unrelenting than Bone Tomahawk because obviously this takes place quite securely within the, mm. uh, within the horror genre. Um, now the big thing is, it, it is all down to the casting. It is down to solid casting in Patrick Stewart, who who seems to know to dial down the meta this time around and simply utilise his grandstanding. Mm. And his grandstanding, naturally enough, works because what is Patrick Stewart if not an authoritative, almost parental-like presence in any film? And it works here. It works in terms of being genuinely chilling and and something that you actually want to run away from. He's a terrifying figure, not because he's you know loud and lashing out, and it, it's because there is just a quiet menace to him. But it's Patrick Stewart doing it. It's not the first time Patrick Stewart's played a villain because you can go back to '97 and Conspiracy Theory for that. But he is fantastic here, uh, and for the same reason, the supporting cast. The supporting cast are all very good. They managed to uh, transcend the requisite canon fodder horror movie trope for being something a little deeper, being a little bit more rounded. Anton Yelchin's likable as always. Alia Shawkat, little bit underutilized later on, but there's a lot of fun to be had with her. And Imogen Poots, they they give a surprising amount of depth to Imogen Poots as well, who's a, a sort of friend they acquire along okay. the way. She's with so the she's, band. she's not actually in the band. She's not in their band. She's in a nut- she's in the band that the dead person was in. Oh, right. And, and that's sort of how it works. Okay. Um, but they are all brought together by this fantastic screenplay by Jeremy Solnia. Mm. And it, it's that character writing. It is that depth. It is that insight. And he makes his characters in such a way that you you do genuinely care when they start to die. Mm. Not the first one who dies, because didn't really care much for him, but the rest I, I really liked. And um, and it take, I didn't realise as well, he's his own cinematographer. Jeremy Solney mm. is also his own DP. And, yeah. Which and is all the more impressive. I mean, if you've, fantastic work. if you've seen his first film, Blue Ruin, that is stunning. Something. That is really <laughs> yeah. something. And this carries it as well. What he has done has made, has made is made a cheap and cheerful 90 minute half a million dollar little is that all? It's, it's half a million dollar this film. It's it's 480,000. Uh, and uh, and you'd have to think people like like Imogen Poots and Patrick Stewart would have been getting paid quite a decent amount. Yes, I well, think. Yes, yeah. I think you, you, you've you've worked for lunches, haven't you? That, that's you've, how this. You've pretty much done for scale or yeah. for like love of the part. You, you pretty much have. Yeah. And but the thing is though that that passion and that sort of want to be there does come across. It does show. It is a premium product. It is a mm. premium product at a budget price, and you feel that all the way through. You think, wow, how have you made this on this amount of money? This whole <laughs> thing that all aspiring film aspiring 
aspiring horror filmmakers should be looking to It Follows and The Babadook for inspiration on where to go next. That's all well and good. Like, if you want to do that for the sake of atmosphere and things, go for it. But in terms of character writing, look at Jeremy Solnier. Just go here and look at this. And, wow, this is... Put it this way, you can, you can take your Ouija's, you can take your paranormal activities and whatever... Slasher movies are out now, and and shove them in a box. And, they are just and, a and different class of horror films, aren't they, compared to something like this? This is a, this is a, a, a league apart. This is a yeah. whole different thing. I loved every minute of it, and there were only ninety of those. So you know, I just watch it, it was, again. It was over far <laughs> too soon for my liking. I loved it. I was unsettled by it. I felt sort of horrible afterwards, excited, but really ashamed <laughs> of being excited. I thought everything about it was fantastic. So from one horror movie then to another because we've got to talk about the magic that is Cabin Fever 2016. Yeah, so this is the remake of uh, that classic Eli Roth Yeah, film. so because apparently 14 years is is the amount it, of time it takes to remake it's something. It's more than enough to necessitate a remake. Well, well, I mean, if you're Eli Roth or Spider-Man, you get a remake. I was about to say, yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man every, every six months. Hang on, since we started this, don't we have to remake Spider-Man again? I think we do, but, yeah. even though we've got a perfect Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, so, so you know, uh, the, you remember Filth? Remember that film Filth with James McAvoy? Yeah, I really um, enjoyed Filth. I liked yeah, Filth I liked as well. Filth. One of the things I love about it is the catchphrase, same rules apply. Mm. And here we are, same rules apply. So a group of teens, and I want to point out as well, the script is unaltered. The, the, really? the script is unaltered. As, the same as, script. as in word for word? Word for word. It, the only difference is it's been chopped Why? down from 132 pages to 90 so because we were the same, too, we were just but less. Too, too many words. There were too many words. Too many words. Yeah. So group of group of college kids <laughs> pop off to a cabin in the woods. <coughs> better movie to watch. Better movie to watch. Yeah. Um, they <laughs> pop off to a cabin in the woods. <coughs> better movie to watch. And um, whilst they are there, they uh, they contract uh, flesh eating bacteria. That's it, isn't it? Necrotizing fasciitis, flesh eating bacteria. Yeah. And one That's by it. one, the disease starts to take them down, but not before they start to take themselves down in the process. And of course, there's the locals as well who are also sort of redneck types with shotguns who want the kids dead for you know out of fear and yeah here's a here's a trailer clip because they didn't actually release clips because it's almost like they were afraid of, of marketing i can't imagine why anyway clip she's sick i'm not dying like that what are we dying i don't want to infect everyone no any one of you could have it them kids got disease Cattle get sick. You gotta kill it before it spreads the rest of her. Where are you going? To get help. I don't want to get sick. I don't want any of us to get sick. Man, you're not looking so good. I don't look so good! Yes, you can tell we're safely that, back. That was loud. That, that really was, wasn't it? Okay, so um, it, basically, if you ever wanted to see an Eli Roth movie without all the unnecessary subtext, character development, wit, class, or charm, and that's admittedly quite a low bar, then congratulations, we have the same movie. We have that movie for you. Uh, it, it's basically Cabin Fever again, but for douchebags. That, that's the nicest way to phrase it. Um, it, it's, it hits every beat, every quote, every set piece, every moment that you remember from the original Cabin Fever, but no one in it's quite as likeable. Mm. It all seems to be... and every, every cast member seems to be starring in a different film. 
and and I mean that wholeheartedly. You have one who thinks he's starring in a Tom Green comedy, which is really going back a ways. You've got one who thinks it's a porno. You've got another who thinks it's a Joss Whedon production. You've got another, and you're like, what? what I mean, is... the whole Cameron Woods thing, you would be forgiven. Yeah, mistake number two. You just watch it. Oh, and then, and then, this is the best part. And then the local deputy turns up, and mm. they've they've gone and found what seems to be a 35 year old Dolly Partner like. And you would think in any other... It's like a moment in, in Con Air, it's like, on any other day, that might seem strange. And yet, here, it somehow manages to be a high point. This is so crass and loud mm. and just numbing. And you, you sit there sort of glassy-eyed, just drinking it in, watching this <laughs> really awful cast try their best to muddle through. And, you know, it seems unfair to call it, you know, a terribly written film because it is the second go at a terribly written film without changing a word, mm. although losing a few. And you just think, it's so bad, I almost want to rewatch the original Cabin Fever in order to kind of see it done right. But then you remember that you are still talking about Cabin Fever, so we have yet to really have that take place. Um, the strangest thing above all is you've got Travis Z. That, that's the name of the, the director. So Travis Z. As, as in, I've got time for surnames. As in the letter Z. I, I get it, not Z double Yeah, Travis Z, who's the director. Right. And he plays this, he handles this as if he is the production assistant who's randomly, just accidentally been given the project. <laughs> you kid. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, creeping kid for my film. The, the creeping, creeping kid. kid. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd I get love that, that reference as well. And then you've got the, I mean, he's bad enough, but then you've got this score. And this is by Kevin Reap. His name is, and okay. he has mostly scored video what, what's games. He done? Which which no, games do you know? Most, I, do you know, I don't know them offhand. He's mostly scored video games, and you get this information. You think actually that makes complete sense because that's exactly what this sounds like. One of the old PS One Resident Evil games, you know, with the ridiculously over the top melodramatic yeah. music, oh, where you'd be stood in a hallway and it'd go, da da, and it's exact all the way through, and you're. Just take a minute off. Calm down. Bit of get, nuance. Get, get a piano. Come on, Kev. Take it off. Take yeah. a minute. Take a minute. You don't have to be. I know you're getting, not getting paid by the hour, but come on. <laughs> I mean, actually, to be honest, you would assume you did get paid by the hour, but um, <laughs> it is. It's just astonishingly poor. I mean, you know that there's that old phrase: you can't polish a turd. Um, apparently, that is literally even Eli Roth can't do his own. It seems. <laughs> And, and he's, he's, he's probably got people to polish to. Well, he's producing this as well. I he's, know, I heard. That's... He's producing this, and you just think, as if your first attempt wasn't bad enough, you've handed it over now to see it done mm. even worse. I mean, I can't wait to see what they do with Hostel. I really can't. I just don't really understand why the, f- the first one, which was already a bit of like a rehash of Cabin in the Woods style... It's, it's that classic slasher horror trope, isn't it? So I don't know why they've had to rehash a rehash. No, it's very true. I, I, yeah. I say, I don't know why they've done it. It makes no sense to me. But you know what? Cabin Fever, the next generation, is here. Watch it at your peril, really. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So uh, let's do a little uh, John Le Carre. Oh, yeah, let's let's sort of our kind of traitor. And this is an adaptation of, what's the novel, the same name by John Le Carre. (laughs) Stars Ewan McGregor, Damian Lewis, Stellan Skarsgård, Naomi Harris. What a cast. Pretty good lineup, isn't it? I like that. Oh, and you know what? They all get their time to shine, to be fair. Two more than the rest. But uh, (laughs) this is the story of. 
this is the story of Perry and his wife. Perry being played by Ewan McGregor, his wife Naomi Harris. They have gone on a holiday because they've sort of been uh, sort of forced apart by their respective jobs. He's a teacher, she's a solicitor. They've gone on a holiday together where one night she steps out to make her 19th business call of the day, it seems. You know the, the type of character mm, we're talking yeah. about. And uh, he befriends a local Russian mobster. Sorry, not a local, a holidaying Russian mobster played by Stalin Skarsgård. Who's, of course he's played by Stalin Skarsgård. Of course he is, because why wouldn't he be? Yeah. And he is then asked, do me a favour, when you're going through customs, can you just take this flash drive, slip it to MI6 and tell them I want to talk? <laughs> and then, because, <laughs> because this is totally the kind of thing that happens to yeah. a regular guy in a John le Carre movie. <laughs> Absolutely. This happens to me on all my holiday friendships. So, Ewan McGregor goes through customs, hands the flash drive over, and before you know it, he and his wife are accosted by MI6 in the airport, told precisely what's going on, and then told, actually, he wants to meet, he wants to come in, he wants to work with us, but he won't do it unless you're there, and we can save him and his family, but you're part of the deal, so if you don't come along, his family are going to die. So before you know it, you have Ewan McGregor and Naomi Harris forced along as effectively involuntary MI6 agents. Damien Lewis, of course, being the the head spy, Mm -hmm. and boy, (laughs) Damien Lewis in this film, because you've never seen a more... Perfect an archetype for a John le Carre character. Is this his like James Bond audition tape? Do you reckon? Oh no! no I, I tell you what. Go, go for the clip, mm. and yeah, he could be the first Ginger Bond. He really could. <laughs> but just go for the George clip, Bond. and you are going to love his accent in this. Dima has a meeting in Bern next week, where he'll sign over the accounts he controls to the prince, just like his old friend Misha did. After that, he and his family will most likely be executed. Trouble is. He'll only deal with us if you and Gail are there. He refuses to negotiate with us otherwise. He'll be working on the assumption that if we betray him, you good people will stand up for him and his family. He's making a lot of assumptions. What choice does he have? He's trying to protect the people he loves. It's very <laughs> Mr. Anderson, isn't it? Well, it's weird. It's going like a bit, a bit France, a bit English. It's it's like John Hurt and John Renault. Like, it, it, kind of, it kind of is, isn't yeah. it? So, um, so this is this is directed by uh, Susanna White, but and that mm. that in and of itself is not particularly outstanding. But what really is is that it's written by Hussein Amini, who brought us Drive, oh, yeah. Yeah, who brought us uh, the Two Faces of January with Oscar Isaac, with Oscar Isaac. So go. we know we know he knows talent and. <laughs> and now, this is the thing. It has it, it falls prey to very much the same weakness that the Two Faces of January did, which is, yes, it is an intriguing espionage. It's an airport novel. And that's kind of a shame, given the whole John le Carre, you know, element of it. It feels like an adaptation of an airport novel, and it never really ascends any higher than that. Susanna White manages to add a little bit of flair where possible, but really, it just comes out feeling like a spooks episode. Like a, a kind of an uneventful spooks episode. And you sit and think, yeah, actually, we had a spooks movie, so... You know, we kind of don't need this. And I feel like the only reason you're forcing this onto a cinema screen is because The Night Manager was pretty popular recently. Mm. And you've not got Hiddleston. So, you know, work with that one at your peril. I will say this for it, though. Damien Lewis becomes sort of charming with that, that weird voice that he's putting That weird voice that he is putting on. You know, it's a little bit Jenna Maroney, admittedly, but a little bit, yeah, a little bit actor, and uh, <laughs> yeah. But Stellan Skarsgård is having the time of his life in this, and you wouldn't think it because he's so out of place with it all, and he's just swinging from the fences. I'm just sure, it kind of sounds himself. like a role he could just do in his sleep. But he's got the long hair and the leather jacket and the. 
Oh, long-haired Skarsgård. Oh, this yeah. is long-haired Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, I mean, he really, and he's a lot of fun. But having said that, even though he's having the time of his life, he does manage to pull it off without it ever feeling less than serious. Mm. It always feels like he is committed to the character. He he wants to play the integrity of it. Naomi Harris delivers as you'd expect her to. It's not really much of a stretch for. Same for Ewan McGregor. This feels like one of Ewan McGregor's weirder late '90s projects that he did. Okay. Uh, and to, to be fair, though, he is playing that archetypical character who only exists in the mind of, of John Le Carre. Mm. And, I think you know, he just really loves to work. I mean, for the past couple of years. How many films has he done in the past? It isn't like, what was that Natalie Portman one who was in the other week? Oh, the Natalie Portman. Oh, Jane Got a Gun. Jane, Jane got he's a gun. the moustache twirling. He was yeah, in yeah. Son of a Gun. He was Apparently in... always have guns. One of the first <laughs> films I ever reviewed had him. It was Perfect Sense with uh, Ava Green. I remember that. And, and I quite like that film. It was alright. I really liked it. Shot like it was made on iMovie, but never mind. Mm. Um, but no, the problem is, this is going to find its audience largely when it's released on DVD in time for Father's Day. Now, that's not going to happen this year, sadly, but uh, it, it, it's a dad gift. That's the thing. The film is a dad gift. It's what you mm. buy your dad, or it comes in a box set. Other than that, there's really not an awful lot going for it. It starts off at the beginning by telling you it's made by mm. Amazon Prime Instant Video. Right. And you think, yeah, because that's kind of where this ends up. And Definitely. It'll be right next to Tinker Tail Soldier Spy. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the problem. Most of the people who watch this will be watching it because it will be because you watched Tinker Tail Soldier Spy. And yeah. it's suggested from, to you. From the writer of. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's brought up as a suggestion underneath. It's not boring. It's it's fine, but it just it's there. It exists. You know, it's it's I, I, I honestly would rather watch just a regular episode of Spooks than see it again. Because, it, frankly, it has exactly that amount of appeal. Uh, and Spooks is slightly more fun, but... yeah, Can't win them all. So, uh, we, need to, we need to finish the top ten at some point. Okay, well, why don't we do it right now? Number five. Robinson Crusoe. Now, this uh, wasn't pressure on. This was kind of... It was pressure on a Sunday of all days. Really? <laughs> it really was. That, that never happens. Never happens. Never it happens. was pressure, I think, for the, the kids kind of a thing. Mm. Um, I've not had the pleasure... Uh, I can't imagine being terrible or anything. It's, it's out in time. for We've got half term in a few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, so, it's coming yeah, it'll, I'm sure it'll be fine for that. Number four. Florence Foster Jenkins. Which I liked, and I laughed, and I found it charming, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, was, I was into it. Yeah. But it, there's not really much depth to it. It's all kind of a, what do you do, what does it all mean, Basil, kind of affair. Quite frothy. It, frothy, that would be the term, exactly. Frothy, sir. M- musical froth. That was the one, because uh, when we were talking about the uh, the Disney thing, and I, I, I originally, because I had to write that up for the mm. site, and I made a reference to, I said, it's not like Disney are pulling a real-world version of St. Clair Baynard. And then I thought, nobody's looking up that reference, because that's <laughs> Hugh Grant's character in Florence Foster Jenkins. I, I liked it, though. I like uh, Meryl Streep in it very much. I think Hugh Grant, though, time of his life in this one. Number three. Bad Neighbours 2, or just Neighbours 2, if Neighbours 2, colon, Sorority Rising is the US title. I'm not going to say all that. That's a mouthful. It has a great concept. It has Mm. a really great concept. Well... It's because it's the concept of the first one. Uh, no, actually, the first one. No, I mean doing doing concept. it doing the feminist angle is is a really good. Oh, and kind they, of reversing it a little bit. Ju- going down the route of of exposing the inherent mm. sexism of all this stuff that for me works. But it doesn't really. It doesn't explore that. I reckon. No, not not so much. But uh, the problem is, it just falls back on a repeat of the first movie, and ultimately, it's not terrifically fun or entertaining. You don't laugh anywhere near as much as you want to, and it all feels a bit meh in the end. Number two, the Jungle Book. I don't know what else we can say about this film other than 
We still love it. You know, there's going to be a point. Depending how long it stays in the top ten, we could, how about we just it's get to a, a, it's stay? Got a few more weeks? How about when if it gets to the tenth week, rather than actually saying anything about it, we just sing the bare necessities. I will bring in a ukulele. And you we'll you do bring in a we'll ukulele. We will just sing. If it makes it to ten weeks, we sing the bare necessities. That's the okay. Deal. Yeah, cool. All right, we'll yeah, actually get sheet deal. music and everything. Deal. It's fantastic. Go and see it. Actually, I'm more of a king of the swingers. Oh, we can do that as well. I don't know. I, I, we can't really include a medley. But can we do a mashup? <laughs> in the podcast section. The yeah, podcast section. I can work on it. So The Jungle Book's amazing. It's one of the best films of this year. By all means, go see it. Number one. <laughs> Captain America Civil War. That got me right off guard. Did that get you right off guard? <laughs> yes, that, did it, it did. <laughs> Civil War, which I had a lot of fun with. And obviously it's at the centre of this big Disney or paying us off controversy. And again, Disney, <laughs> I take PayPal. I take PayPal, honestly. But uh, or, or Barclays Ping It. I've got Barclays Ping It, if you want to use that. Barclays Ping It? What is that? Do you know what? I don't know, but I have it. <laughs> that's, that's what I know. Okay, so Civil War. Um, do you know, it's not flawless, but it's it's damn near. It's a lot of fun. And mm. that's the thing. They want you to have fun with what is actually quite a dark story. And, that, and Well, that, yeah. It works. At, at, at the heart of it, isn't it? At the heart of it, it is a really dark story. Uh, Downey Jr. brings it. Evans brings it. Uh, Sebastian Stan brings it, surprisingly. Mm. It gets more to do than he did in Winter Soldier, weirdly. Not a, not a really high bar there, if we're honest. <laughs> in a film named after him. In a film named uh, after him. That's, but, that's not a dig on that second film, because I love that second film. No, I, that's I the thing, though, for me. Well. I don't think this is quite as good as The Winter Soldier. Oh, really? Because I think Winter Soldier was so streamlined and and so pointed and precise. Well, that second one didn't have as many characters, but that's not to the detriment that's of this it. one. I, I think we've managed think... to work all these characters really well. I think so, for yeah. the most part. But there are some who feel sort of obligatorily included. Mm. Like, Do you reckon? I mean, for... I, it is actually it's amusing to me because I, I had a joke a while ago that if you if you're a Marvel character and you get a sequel you have to have a a best friend sidekick flying black character that's of how course, it works yeah. an Afri- and a flying African American sidekick is a requirement if you are a Marvel character getting a sequel because if you look at Thor the Dark World even Idris Elba flew for a moment yes he, he does. did he did yeah. fly off that bridge so that's a requirement we talk about all uh, different ethnic minorities because in in Ant Man and the Wasp. Get yeah. get Michael Pena some wings. Yes, That'd be good. Yeah, Michael Pena could invert it or turn him into like the Dragonfly or something, which is a Marvel character I've just invented. I, I, I bet you any money if you look that up, that's a real thing. I'm going to look at it right now. Do, do, do you know when they were making the Incredibles and they did the no cape sequence? Mm. Apparently, that was the trouble they had. They kept inventing superhero names, but they existed. Oh, they were actual. Yeah. Characters. They kept actual inventing, people. which comes up with dead superheroes for the no cape sequence. <laughs> they all the ones they kept coming up with. They had to keep checking them, of course, yeah. and they were all real characters. But uh, yeah, so yeah. But anyway, speaking of uh, characters who do exist, uh, Black Panther, loving that oh, character, man. loving that character. Yeah, he he was definitely the standout for me. Him, him and Spidey and Ant Man, those and Ant Man. And Ant Man, yeah. not, not to give away too much. Not, but, not to give but, away, not to give away Ant- his Ant-Man. other name. <laughs> we go a bit Batman. Who's Scott? Go a bit Batman forever. Scat. No sir. Scat. The other car. <laughs> <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show.
And we're back and dancing. You got to dance every week. But uh, so, final film of the week on the radio side, anyway. On the radio side. Uh, yeah. So we're going to do the Angry Birds movie, which right. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for it. Do you know anyone who's not played Angry Birds? Or? My dad. Your dad. Okay, that's fair yeah. enough. Okay, so the Angry Birds movie, um, which comes with a, the, the the requisite names, uh, voice cast, uh, Jason Sudeikis, Bill Hader, uh, Bill Hader, who's the bad guy, he's the, the chief pig. Um, you've <laughs> is, got. Is that just his name, Chief Pig? I, I think yeah. I'm not sure. Um, Danny McBride, Josh Gad, uh, Maya Rudolph, Keegan Michael oh, Key, pretty solid. Sean Penn. I say that again. Oscar winner Sean Penn. Penn. UN ambassador Sean Penn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean Penn is in the Haiti ambassador. Sean Penn. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so this general just right. You've got Red, who, who you'll know is the only Angry Bird you'd recognise. You know the red one with the big the, eyebrows. The right, yeah, yeah, the red one. His name's Red. He's voiced by Jason Sudeikis. He's got anger management issues, which means he's <laughs> a bird lives on an island. And he's sort of anthropomorphised. He literally has anger management issues to the extent that he accidentally traumatises a newborn child whilst having an argument with its father and throwing birthday cake in his face and gets sent to anger management class where he meets his his new would-be accomplices. So you've got uh, Josh Gad's one, who's the yellow one, who's uh, really quick and speedy. You've got... Uh, Bomber, I think his name is, is Danny think, McBride, Bomber, who's the big round black one who just detonates. And then you've got, uh, oh, I want to say Clarence, who's the massive, Terrence Clarence, and all that. big red one who's actually Sean Penn, who, who's just kind of the teal of the bunch. And uh, right. And they're, they're, they're chilling, they're doing their anger management thing, they're, 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 they're doing their Adam Sandlers, and one day, a bunch of boats turn up on the shore, and they've got, they're crewed by green pigs, who claim to be explorers, yet for some reason don't seem to be in a hurry to move on. The next thing you know, they've distracted all the birds, and taken all their eggs, because it turns out they've actually got a big thing for eggs. They've taken all their eggs, abducted them, and taken them back to Pig Island rather than just eating them there, but never mind. And uh, the, the the community are forced to turn to Red and his angry birds. I got yeah, it. Golf clap, got golf that. clap, yeah. yeah. In order to save the day. But in order to actually, uh, in order to, to, to say that, they're going to need the help of the legendary Mighty Eagle, who's like a warrior figure who has you know, left ye- decades earlier, rumoured to have never existed, and may or may not live on this giant mountaintop, and who may or may not be voiced by Mr. Peter Dinklage. So, with the help of Mighty Eagle, the goal is to rescue the eggs from the pigs, and, well, here's a clip of the birds on their way to Mighty Eagle. If there is a Mighty Eagle, well, how come we don't ever hear his battle cry? I don't know. Maybe we have. What would a Mighty Eagle battle cry Uh sound like? You know what, I think I got an idea. Maybe something like, uh... No, I bet it's more like caca, caca. That's theoretically what it's more like scientifically. Now I'm thinking maybe it's a little bit more subtle, like a little bit just more majestic, like. Oh, it's like running a nursery. Absolute childcare. Someone has anger 
<laughs> right, okay, so that clip is kind of more annoying than the film actually is. Um, yeah. it never, first of all, Angry Birds does never really get past the level of being a cynical cash grab. That's kind of to be expected. You know this is never going to be more than that. However, it's written by John Vesey, who who's written episodes of The Office... And you can't help but think that he has actually managed to inject just enough of that snarky observational humour, basically of The Office, to make it work. Now, what you've got then got going on is a cast who are playing more or less to type. So you've got Jason Sudeikis, who's really not pushing the boat out. He's just playing He's Jason playing Sudeikis. A, Jake and, a Jason Sudeikis yeah. character. Yeah. Josh Gad's phoning in Olaf again. Danny yeah, you Mc- could tell. You really yeah. can, yeah. And you've got Danny McBride, who I think is just happy to be working. Um, Keegan-Michael Keegan Key, who's just showing up because I, I'm secretly the funniest out of all of you. And, and then Bill Hader, who's kind of unrecognisable vocally. As as mm. as the bad guy, um, but what makes it work really is that writing, and it is this this sort of Seinfeld like mentality that's going on behind what is arguably a kids film, what is arguably a a cash in title, and you compare this, for instance, to something like Ratchet and Clank recently, and it looks an awful lot better because Ratchet and Clank was abysmal. You couldn't enjoy that if you were more than five, and then you've got this. You think actually, there's enough in this for it to work more, not so much for all ages, but if you're a parent taking the young kid. They're going to like it. I mean, this is a movie based on a 69p app store purchase. So what you get out of it is actually kind of a bargain. Um, I I, I will give it one one other distinction. It is, of all the video game to movie conversions, it is the only one I have ever seen that has managed to take its actual gameplay, incorporate it into the film, and it not feel hackneyed. Because this film does ultimately... That's a good point. Yeah, it does ultimately resort to literally the set, the Angry Birds game. Yeah. Of just, you know, fling flying the, into things. Fl- fling yeah. the birds at the buildings. With the buildings falling down that exact of course, way. They yeah. do. Of course it results to that. But you seem to think, actually, you know what? This works an awful lot better than Doom did with its its first I person. I watched Doom last week for the first time. It really doesn't work, does it, that film? A bit with the, the big gun. Yeah, it really with, with doesn't that, work. Uh, this yeah. is better than Doom, I'll give you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a better movie for Doom, and I think mm. kids will enjoy it more than Doom as well. Uh, we've, so, we've got quite a, quite a few... Uh, um, uh, movies based on video games coming up this year, haven't we? We've got Assassin's Creed, Warcraft, Warcraft of course, coming up. Uh, there's always some to come, I yeah. suppose. But, uh, so Angry Birds, I'm not going to give it film of the week, because that, Shocker. That, that's Green Room. That's quite clearly Green Again, Room. And I, I cannot wait to see that film. No, I, I wholeheartedly recommend that you see Green Room as soon as humanly possible. You are going to, of all people, you're going to love it. Of course I am. Um, it, is, it is like watching five little cases being chased around by neo-Nazis. But aside are you from comparing that, me to Ali Shawkat? Yes, I'm comparing you to Alias Shawkat. If I could remember the name for an Arrested Development character, I would refer to her exclusively as that. Uh, maybe. 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 Maybe, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I've seen the Call Me Maybe memes, yes. <laughs> um, so, next week we've got some, some interesting stuff. We've got a hologram for the King next week. Oh, yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks, Dave Eggers' novel. Uh, I've seen that. And, is it Tom, uh, who's the director? Is it Tom... Tom Twyker, I believe. Tom Twyker, yeah. And uh, who, what, what has he done, Tom Twyker? He did uh, Run, Mother, Run. He that's did it. some of Cloud Atlas with Wachowski's beat. Did like a co-director. That's exactly what you told me when I asked you before. Yes, and it I, was, yeah. I've forgotten. Yes, uh, we've got Sing Street, which is getting good, oh, pretty decent that, yeah. praise as well. Bagash Boo did once. It um, is yes. Uh, begin again. Funny we were talking about that. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I, All I, links I, back. I have an excuse to watch uh, once then. Do you think that you might be the honest it. trailer next week? We were saying we didn't know what it was to time oh, with. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that film is really, really popular. But uh, okay, so we've also got the Silent Storm. I confess, I know very little about yeah. that. Uh, Heart of a Dog. That's next week. That's a Dog Wolf documentary. They actually okay. had a screening for dogs the other night. I'm That's not. Amazing. I'm not even kidding. They did, and it looked amazing. 
Is this um, the thing about Laurie Anderson? Is quite possibly. I'm have to look into. That. Have to look into that. And of course, the big one to end all big ones: X Men Apocalypse is upon us. The ninth film. Based <laughs> is this the ninth? I think is it's something the ninth? like that. Be about there. I think if if you count in the Wolverines and the Deadpool. I think so, but actually, technically, means we got two X Men movies in the same year. But yeah. uh, hey, look, yes, yeah. and guess who's in it? Oscar Isaac is in it. So. <laughs> no way, because <laughs> it's it's a month of it. Well, uh, you, you know he's Apocalypse, so. right? Of course. I was. Oh, okay. I was just checking. I, sometimes I, you didn't know that, that Henry Allen played Barry Allen last week. So right. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. This has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Case Allen. And we'll be rambling after the credits. We'll see you next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras, Mr. Allen. So before we before we get to a review of, of Mustang, then which I, I quite liked, there's no reason. Okay. It's, it's only it's, the only reason I'm saying at the end is 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 well, there were certain films you have to include. You can't not include Angry Birds in the radio edit and. Green Room's kind of going to get yeah. some hype. and I hope so. Well, yeah, he deserves it. But, uh, there's, there's a fair bit of film news as well. So there are. So, we, should, uh, we should crack on with it. Okay, so, um, <laughs> oh, should we talk about Ben Affleck for a second? Uh, yeah, what are you doing with Ben Affleck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you thinking, Ben? Come on. Okay, so the, the story goes that Ben Affleck was apparently humiliated by Batman Superman mm. and, the, and the somewhat lukewarm reception to it, which is a polite way of saying it's being cut to ribbons. Uh, I believe yeah. it's currently at twenty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes now. Now that all the reviews so, are, right, it has been uh, critically shellacked. Yes, it has. Yeah. And the base, basically, because he had gone around for m- well, years, really, had to say, "Oh, it's going to be so much better than Daredevil," and Daredevil is kind of better regarded than Batman Superman. I think he he has a bit of egg on his face. I would argue that Daredevil is probably more critically regarded than Batman Superman. I would argue that, but I would also counter argue that his portrayal of Batman is better than his portrayal of it's the same of performance. It's exactly but he can the same. <laughs> He's got more money. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. All right, well. Because <laughs> him playing good. a lawyer, him playing. No, that's it. Sorry. Would you please recall the sequence of events? Because <laughs> he makes a terrible lawyer. Anyway, so the, the idea is. He's good humiliated. as Batman. Yeah. Yeah, he's humiliated, though. Yeah. And mm, the idea absolutely. is that they've had to appease him because he's given up a lot for this. Like, mm. he, he had to delay Live by Night, which is his next film he's directing, yeah. which he, he's starring in as well, isn't he? He is starring in it, yeah. And that's the Dennis Lahaina. He's been trying to get this off the ground for years, like since Argo. Since he wants Argo. to do it. I think it was was it the following year. I think he something said it, like that. Yeah. yeah, that was the original, and then it got bumped. And and this is the whole thing. He's such an integral part of this DC universe. He's committed to so much. And in theory, the idea is that he's banked a lot of one for me projects as a result. So we're going to get mm. a lot more Argos down the way. Yeah. But you know, he still has to be Batman, and apparently he's not too happy about you know the attitude towards it. He's less happy that the head of Warner Brothers, Kevin, oh, what's his name? Got a Japanese name. Oh, the guy, the guy who runs Warner Bros. apparently dropped the ball by announcing that Ben Affleck was going to be directing the Batman whilst they were still in negotiations. Oh, they were still so in negotiations about that? Yeah, there were still negotiations when it was announced oh, right. and that he was writing and directing it. And so what they've done now to appease him is they've made him an executive producer of the Justice League mm. and given him more control. And the idea is two birds, one stone. One, they have appeased Ben Affleck. Two, they have 
kind of shunted Zack Snyder aside a little, and they've given Ben Affleck a little bit more say. So we have now gone, in the space of three years, from Ben Affleck is going to kill the DC Universe to Ben Affleck may be the only person who can save the DC Universe. (laughs) This comes a decade after Ben Affleck is the worst thing in the universe. So... He's he's going on a real roller coaster ride, that guy. He really is. He really is. Mm. So, uh, oh, American Assassin. What about that one? Uh, yeah, so it had Michael Keaton attached. It, it did, yeah. still attached, and now we've got a potential lead. We have. We? Do you know the name of that uh, that character, though? It, it's brilliant. Oh, the I na- saw it yesterday as well. And His I... name is Mitch Rapp. Mitch Rapp, yeah. Two Ps. And, uh, <laughs> so the idea is he's a young uh, counterintelligence, a young CIA agent whose fiance is killed in a terrorist attack. He then joins a covert division. He's taken in by the most feared, ruthless trainer in the CIA, to be played by Michael Keaton, naturally enough. <laughs> and the pair team up to go on a mission with a mysterious Turkish agent to stop a doomsday plan or something to that effect. Uh, it's based on a series of novels by Vince Flynn. So the idea is that Lionsgate want this to be a new franchise or an adult themed franchise Uh, they have dropped the ball ever so slightly though because Mitch Rapp is going to be played by Dylan O'Brien from the Maze Runner and uh, Team Wolf and and Team Wolf, here's what I don't get Right, he's a young agent, I get that but he has a fiance who's killed in a Right, okay, I, I don't mean to be, be, be you know, untoward or anything, but Dylan O'Brien doesn't look old enough to have touched a woman, let alone <laughs> let alone have a fiancé. He's never lain with a woman. He's, he has never lain in a husbandly fashion, <laughs> if you catch my drift. He, he looks about nine. I mean, do you remember when Daniel Radcliffe was in The Woman in Black and we were expected to believe that he was a young father? He had like a, a, an infant son. You're like, yeah, no. and, and, he, and he still was Harry Potter. Yeah, you like, still look like Harry You Potter, don't look old you know. enough to have. No. Like now, he's he's aged. Definitely. Now he's now, a, now he is a farting corpse. In he, that film. he is a farting corpse. But now. I can't wait for it. I can't remember <laughs> the name of the film, but I uh, Swiss, Swiss Army, Army Man. Man. Do you it. know who has directed it? No. It is. I, I don't know what else we've done. It's, it's, it's a partnership, it's a duo. Um, they are both called Daniel. Mm-hmm. Different different surnames, obviously, but they're just known as Daniels. That's brilliant. Yeah, so on the poster, Swiss Iron Man, directed by Daniels. That's fantastic. Isn't it? Yeah. That really is. Okay, so um, we've got to talk about uh, old Jessica Beale and Clive Owen are mm, going, they're going Brit. They're going Brit. They're going Brit. They're going to take okay. part. They're, they're going to be in this film. It's called Invisible, and the idea is it's going to be an ensemble drama, and they will play a supposed like crash, kind of like that. Uh, well, actually, you know, kind of, kind of that sounds. Really. So their storyline is they're going to be um, sort of a uh, you know middle class working couple, supposedly perfect suburban life, but they're unfulfilled and they are seeking you know entertainment by other means. What what those means are, I don't really know. But uh, in the meanwhile, you have other characters who are immigrants who have come to Britain in search of a fresh start and a new life. Mm. So very much a tale for Cameron's Britain, and uh, I mean, let's <laughs> let's be. Whoa. I'm just saying, if, if they're refugees as well, we could make this really topical. But uh, can't change yet with some TV news. Go for we it. Never do this. No, no, no. Go on, go on. Uh, Euro trash. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, Euro trash. Yeah, yeah there is a. Uh, it was going to be a one-off uh, special. I heard about about this. the EU uh, referendum, the it's Brexit thing. Brexit yeah. thing. Yeah, we're going to do a Euro trash uh, EU referendum special the day before. Is it? The yeah, we, we're edging slightly closer towards politics in recent weeks. We, we talked about Ted Cruz a few weeks ago. Um, we are. I like it though. Yeah. Well, we've yeah, grown up. We, we have grown up. We, <laughs> we, we now lambast politicians as well. Uh, by the way, there is another Ted Cruz as the Zodiac Killer meme going around. Just, just FYI, <laughs> someone needs to make that into a film. <laughs> just, I, you know, I just feel the need to find a hardware store and do it. 
myself now. <laughs> why, don't, why don't somebody just take the film Zodiac and just recut it? <laughs> that, that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Pitch Perfect 3. That's yeah. been moved forward. It has, weirdly, to the date where it was originally going to be coming out anyway. Yeah. yeah. So it's now going to come out July 21st, 2017. Yes. It, um, it had been bumped to August, and then I think there's quite an influx of big films that month. Is so, that the month Spidey's out? Is that another Spider-Man's out? July, July is. July, that's Spider-Man, yeah, so, isn't it? Yeah. But, but I think it's the end of July. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay, oh, fair enough. Maybe same as this. Uh, Zorro, did we talk about Zorro? Uh, we didn't speak about it last week, but yeah, there's there's a new Zorro in town, people. There is, and yeah. uh, and and he is Gael Garcia Bernal. I love that name, and I, I love that actor. I, he's I he's really well. good. I like him as well, and I I've liked him since uh, Babel. I have liked him since the film uh, The Science of Sleep. Really? Of course you like that film. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> That's why I hesitated. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> the yeah. film where he's got giant hands. The big, uh, yeah. Which uh, of your which of your tweed, which of your tweed jackets did you wear whilst you were watching that? Um, just... um, the mustard one. The mustard one. The oh, mustard one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the must- that, not uh, the one with the elbow patches. Then. Oh no! It was it was it was a Thursday, so so it wasn't an elbow patch day. Oh, oh okay. Oh, I just want to check. I, I just want to check. Hey, uh, do you remember when uh, oh, John- <laughs> on the guy? We're going to move on from the guy or Garcia to Bernal thing. We've got to specify it's a post-apocalyptic Zorro. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's Zorro post-apocalypse, and, and it's not going to be called Zorro. It's going to be called Z, Z. <laughs> or, or Z, depending. on I think you most are. people thought that the mask of Zorro, based on its marketing campaign, was just called Z, mm. because that's kind of how they marketed it. <laughs> this is Z. This is going to be set after the apocalypse <laughs> with a new sci-fi Zorro. This- that's pretty cool. Do you know what I want to know? If we can have a post-apocalyptic Zorro, does this mean we can finally have Phantom 2040, the movie? Because oh, yes. I really want that. And please get Billy Zane for it. He can still do it. <laughs> Billy Zane can do it. Talk to your friend Billy Zane. He's a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who was actually making Z as well? That's, no, that's some news. Go, go on. Uh, the son of uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Is that his son? Yeah. Oh, you know, Jonas. Jonas Quarren. Yeah, Jonas yeah, Quarren, I didn't yeah. know that. I knew. Who, did he write Gravity with his dad? I, believe, n- n- I think he co-wrote it, but he actually directed yeah. An- Aninak, the 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 little short little movie short, that takes place in the background. Cool. Yeah. He did that. Mm. So okay, let's stop a second, and before we carry on with you, let's stop a second. Cover Mustang. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've, been, I want I've to... been more news. Well, there's no clip for it, you see, because it's it's in Turkish. And oh. uh, why well, is it Turkish? I think it might be slightly in Arabic. I'm not sure language. It is set in a remote Turkish village. It follows a a group of sisters who are orphaned girls who are being raised by their grandparents. And uh, well, since they live in an isolated enough small traditional village, they are one day caught frolicking and playing with the boys, and are therefore forbidden to go to school. Are locked up in their houses. Are forced to wear only traditional clothes, and is, and in lieu of going to school, taught to cook and clean so that they may prepare for marriage. One by one, they are then effectively married off. So the number of them starts to dwindle. Mm. We have basically a sort of existential crisis on the part of these young girls who really just want to escape, want a way out, want to flee to Istanbul. And, well, in the face of grand tradition, what are you to do? I mean, you can either run away, you could kill yourself, you could do anything. What quite to do? And that's that's where we come into it. Um, and... It's 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 but the, the most interesting thing about it for me is I, I walked into it not knowing anything. I, I was blown away very very quickly. There was a great performance. I'm going to look up the cast while I'm here because I didn't remember them because the names I can't possibly pronounce. And um, 
first of all, I was blown blown away by the central performance, which I'm going to look up the name of the actress, but she's terrific. Young girl, I would say about 12, 13 years old, and absolutely terrific, really heart-wrenching performance, very much a facial emoter, if you get what I mean. Mm. It's all in the eyes. Um, sterlingly made film. It is by Denise Gamze. Oh, man, this is going to kill me to pronounce. A Gervin. Right, but who has also co-written it with, get this, Alice Vinicor. Right, what is, yeah. what is Alice Vinicor? Alice Vinicor then? recently brought us that Matthias Schoenart's movie, Disorder, remember? Oh, I, me- I like yeah, that. Remember? Yeah, I saw that. And she, she's one to watch. I mean, mm. Disorder's really good. And mm. He's very good in it, Matty Shoes. Matty Shoes is Matty great, Shoes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, really, really gripping film. I don't want to talk too much plot-wise, because it, it, there is a very cathartic element to it, and it does go to some places that you don't quite expect. So it's better um, to just go in a bit blank with it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it is a subtitle film set in a very small village, and... So we don't have a clip for it. We don't have a clip for it. No, that would be kind okay. of kind of lost on audio, you know, function. Yes, it would. But uh, really, really great film. The name of the young actress, incidentally, I mean, this is going to kill me to try and pronounce this, is Gunes Sensoi. Yeah, yeah. I did it. Yeah, job. okay, Good I did job. that. That works. Okay. <laughs> Who plays Lale. Lale. Central girl, Lale. She is excellent in this film. I was a huge, huge fan of hers. Um, but Alice Vinicor co-writing on this, it does kind of show because her characters are, ter- well, say her characters, the characters are terrifically well-rounded. Um, there is uh, there is an element of, I would say, uh, f- feminist exploration, I would say. Okay. Very much a feminist exploration in the sense, in, in the face of traditional values. Mm. It's very much a film for now, despite the setting. And in, despite that setting, it does actually play, I think, to a more of a global audience. I really did think it was something quite impressive. But it's going to make no money. But, mm. you know, when, when it does turn up on Netflix or Amazon Prime, by all means, watch it. And you will, I think, be quite surprised by it. So, um, you want to carry on with the film news? What have we got for okay. us? Okay. Um, so, when was it? 2004, I think. Jump when Johnny Depp was in a film called The Libertine. Uh, I didn't know. Was he the Marquis de Sade? He was, yeah. Well, he had so much fun, he's going to be in another film called The Libertine. Really? What's this one about? Well, first of all, this one is going to be directed by Brett Ratner. So, oh, dear so, yeah. God. <laughs> and I I don't expect that it's going to keep the name The Libertine, because obviously he's already been in a film called The Libertine, so it would be a little bit confusing. But it's it's not about the Marquis de Sade. It's going to be about uh, a French politician who's under house arrest and is... In an apartment, I'm not sure why. So it's not about under... it's not about a crappy hipster London band. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, okay. Just just thought. Unfortunately, <laughs> just just that's, that's Libertines, Paul. Oh, yeah. okay. Actually, weird, tenuous connection between Johnny Depp and that band because didn't P. Doherty go out with Kate Moss, who also at one point went out with Johnny Depp? Yeah. I so yeah, right. six degrees of Johnny Depp, right? Well, two and, degrees. And of where, where does where does Kevin Bacon come into us? Uh, I think he just watched and amused himself, to be honest. They, they went to the cinema, and he was on an advert. <laughs> he watched Batman saying, isn't E.E. great? Yeah. And, and that's how it would. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I do really like Kevin Bacon, but I always hate those adverts just when we try and shoehorn Kevin Bacon trying to speak like an English person. Yeah, he, he does not make a convincing Englishman. No. He's about as convincing an Englishman as I do, but... You're about as as English as Flafflin, I'm saying. Zutroy here is about as American as apple pie. <laughs> Ockney clapper, Mr. Burns. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not a Wednesday without a Simpsons reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the first one of the day. Is that the first one of the day? How have we managed? And we we usually make so many Simpsons references. <laughs> Put it in H. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, ooh, ooh, I have, I have film news. I have film news. Ooh, Hang go on. on, man. So go on. this one has gone surprisingly under the radar, despite the fact that it is cool as hell. Is that the name of the film? Because that's a great name for that. That'd be a great name cool for a Marvel. Movie. Cool as hell, and it's Mar- it's Marvel getting the rights back to Iceman. That's that's what. It is. Yes. <laughs> Starring. Whichever one of the uh, the twins is Ash- in, Ashmore? whichever one of the Ashmore twins they've got for that role, yeah. I'm never sure. Is it Sean I or think Aaron? It's Sean. Is it, okay. One was in Smallville, the other was in X Men. That, that's why I know. Sean was Iceman, I think. Sean was Iceman, and Aaron was Jimmy Olsen in Smallville. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right, so um, we've got a new cast member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's someone big. It's someone huge. It's mm. someone iconic, literally iconic, and. This is surprisingly going under the radar. Nobody is mm. talking about this. Uh, I will give you a clue. It's uh, someone that doesn't know how to sit properly in a chair. Yes, very yeah. much, very That's much so. Just <laughs> yeah. someone who, let, let us say, likes to go commando on occasion. And it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right, so let's spoil the suspense. Sharon Stone is mm. joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For, and this is the thing, because she went on the James Corden show. Yeah, she's on the, the, the Late Late Show. The Late Late Show with James Corden. She went on. She said she's joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <clears throat> but she can't talk about it, because there's all confidentiality agreements and things. And uh, she can't talk about it. However. But, it, but it's one of their upcoming films. Yeah. And the thing is, though, there's not really a lot in the way of opportunities for Sharon Stone. And it's not like she's Captain Marvel, let's be honest. She would have been about 25, 30 years ago. 25, 30 years ago, she was the perfect one. An amazing. Yeah, yeah but 25, amazing. 30 years ago, Brad Pitt as Captain America. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah, Johnny Depp as Iron Man. These things would have worked. So when Marvel have got enough money to just make a like a time machine, yeah, but, go yeah, back. Yeah, After just... we've made all, all of their superheroes, <laughs> we need to just find something else to do. Exactly. Yeah. So Sharon, this is the thing. The theory has led mm. to, mm. to what, in one direction, that Sharon Stone will potentially be in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Now, the reason that's cool is because there's only really one character in Ant-Man and the Wasp she could possibly be. It would fit her age. Which would also fit her age, <clears> yeah. <throat> which would be Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. Janet Van Dyne? Yeah. Janet Van Dyne, yeah. Uh, who is Hope's mum. Hope's mum. But it also makes her Mikey Douglas's wife. And you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Basic instinct reunion time. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be... That would be awesome. I haven't be been. So good. I haven't been this happy since I stopped watching Basic Instinct two, halfway through it. <laughs> what were you thinking, Morrissey? What were you thinking? No, David Morrissey. Um, really? Yeah, when she was on the James Corden show, mm. I think she was playing it very, very sort of canny the way that she said it because yeah. she said, "I've got a wee part," and then she said it again. Yeah, yeah. She, I, did, I she did say wee part. About it, she kept saying wee part. It, it is a wee part. Yeah. You're like, oh come on. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, that's, that's cool. That would if, be cool as hell. Yeah. But also, you think about unless they're doing the de-aging thing again, which they can because they didn't Civil War with RDJ. With they, did really well, yeah. they did really well. But they that would mean she'd be... We'd, we'd be seeing her now. We'd be seeing Janet Van Dyne mm. now. Yeah. Which is kind of an awesome... So they're going to get her back, presumably. That's, yeah. That's awesome. I want to see cool. that. I also want to see Michael Douglas and Sharon well, Stone fine. In crime. Ant-Man, um, the scene where he goes into the quantum realm, yes, chasing yeah. down, down Gross... I have I've not gone back and rewatched it, but apparently you can see like a silhouette of Wasp. Can you? Yeah, I did. I, I've never known that. Yeah. Well, um, what, what's what's his name? The the guy who made it, uh, Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pa- Peyton Reed. Sorry. Um, yeah, he he said um, oh, it's it's in there. Yeah, he said just go back, watch the Blu-ray, slow it down. Ah, yeah. So clever. There we are. Okay, so uh, my final bit, my final bit of the week. Uh, mm. There's a biopic coming up, and I I think it's going to be amazing. And uh, this this is going to be the story of a a quite popular sportsman, 
A tale of adversity. A tale of a young man who came all the way from the farmlands of rural France to become a global star. I am talking, of course, about Andre the Giant. Yeah, exactly. One of the most iconic wrestlers yes. ever. And we're yes, going to yes, get a yes. biopic. Who and would play Andre the Giant? Who do you get? Do you get I, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't want to be in that casting room. That'd be, that'd be a scary casting room. You need someone that has obviously got a bit of weight to him. Yeah, but also, quite... would you want to be but the casting director? Well. I mean, awesome. Would you want to be the casting director who's got those auditionees coming in and has to turn pe- and has to tell people they haven't got the role? I That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. No, like that's that's a scary room to have to be negative to. But <laughs> uh, it's such a great, great idea. But it gets better, it gets better. So um, his daughter is is yes, is, is a, a consultant on the film, mm. and uh, she she's consulting on it. But also they're using as a source material um, a book called Closer to Heaven. Are you aware of this book? Uh, no, I'm not. Actually. Right, this is a biography of Andre the Giant written by Brandon Easton. But it's not a standard biography. It's a graphic novel. Mm. Andre the Giant's biography oh, is a graphic cover. novel. Cover. It's like he's holding a big boulder, a bit like yeah, Atlas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. And this is the source for like, This is this is going to be awesome. Mm. I mean, it could be slightly more awesome if Nicolas Cage were involved in some capacity, but... <laughs> That's the only way to make something more awesome, to make it double awesome. Well, he nearly was the wrestler, wasn't he, for, for Darren Aronofsky? Was he really? Oh yeah, apparently Darren Aronofsky that. wanted Nicolas Cage to be. Oh no, no, I think the st- he wanted Nicolas Cage to be uh, the Mickey Rourke role in in that, and there was a whole thing where the studio, or the studio wanted Nick Cage and he wanted Mickey Rourke. He wanted Mickey Rourke, and I think there was there's a kind of a kerfuddle over it, and yeah, yeah. So we nearly had Nicolas Cage in the wrestler. Mickey Rourke was good in that film. Oh, Mickey Rourke was amazing in that film, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, who, who, who did he lose the Oscar? Oh, it was Sean Penn, wasn't it? Did he lose it to Sean Penn? Sean Penn was Milk, Milk, Harvey Milk. Yes, yeah. yes, of course. But uh, well, you know that that was an almost obligatory Oscar, really, because <laughs> uh, I think I think because they just knew on some level that sooner or later he'd have to be in an Angry Birds movie, and they thought we'll apologise in advance. But uh, you got anything else on there? Uh, I've got a couple of bits. Nothing, nothing absolutely huge. Oh, wow, um, wow me then, Case. Come on. Okay, uh, Christian Stewart. She was offered a cameo role in uh, Huntsman: The Winter's War. Oh yeah, transpired, yeah. and she was like, "No, <laughs> yeah." And and now she's she's like admitted that she was offered this role, and she just said, "Wasn't for me." Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely said, "Thank God." I didn't agree to it. Oh, just it's a terrible, terrible um, movie. What else have we got? This is quite interesting. Actually. Go for it. You've just seen this. Uh, so, uh, remember, I think it was about two or three years ago, Steven Soderbergh said, that's it, I'm done. Yeah, but Steven no Soderbergh films. does that like when he when he signs for a FedEx delivery. He's just like, oh... Yeah, it's a bit like me when I say... Are you Soderbergh? Can you sign here? By the way, I'm quitting filmmaking. And then it's like, oh, I'd like to order a pizza. By the way, I'm quitting filmmaking. Can I call a cab, please? By the way, I'm quitting filmmaking. It's it's like, oh, yeah, double shot, no foam latte. Yeah, thanks, by the way, I'm quitting filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, that's life with Steven Soderbergh. It is. It never really kind of sticks to it. It's like me when I say that I'm going to be like on a diet and then I drink loads of coke and I just just don't really stick. But he's got a film. He's got a new film. He's got a new out. film. What's he got? It is going to be starring Channing Tatum. Of course, of course it is. Of course, course it is. Yeah. And then Crazy Eyes Michael Shannon. <laughs> I will find him. <laughs> There's a storm coming. The likes of which you've never seen. <laughs> Do you see Cal? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> this is a pretty good Michael Shannon reference. Anyway, yeah, the film is going to be called Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky? Yeah, sat in, set in uh, the excited world of, uh, of NASCAR racing. It's going to focus on uh, a pair of brothers who attempt to pull for heist during a major NASCAR race. Nice. So that sounds pretty interesting. Okay, okay. This does yeah. suck. By the way, we didn't, did we talk about the, the live Magic Mike experience last week? No, we did not. Because you just remind me, because Steven Soderbergh and, and Channing Tatum. And- Ch- Channing Tatum. Gentete. And there is uh, there is going to be a live Magic Mike experience opening in Las Vegas. So a, a strip show. Well, yeah, that's it. But Channing Tatum is apparently involved in it. I don't right. mean he's not going to be dancing or anything, but he's, say, that he's would, involved. That he's actually in involved in the production of it. And yeah. yeah. Wow. That's bonkers. <laughs> that is quite mad. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a very popular attraction somehow. But uh, also... Is it me or does that strangely kind of legitimise a, a male strip show? That that kind of does that. That's kind of the, the most acceptable male strip show that's ever been devised. It, I, I it, in so. a strange sense, like you, you yeah. would, that adds a level of class to a strip show that's kind of unheard of. When you sit and look at it, you're like really, <laughs> it's just adding some. Some gravitas. Add some gravitas, yeah. That's, that's, that's what you should call it. Gravitas. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Gravit ass. Gravit ah. ass. Uh. <laughs> All right, one last piece of film. One last one. What you got for me? Again, it's not really that exciting. It's Ooh. not good. But, uh, you, you, it doesn't help if you shoot yourself in the foot before you start reading it. I don't like you, raising expectations. You, but you, you know, oh, you, right, this like is that girl. Best. I've got something to tell you, but it's not very good. Go on. Go it on. never is very good. Okay, so uh, Godzilla. Do you remember that? I'm d- I'm dimly familiar with it. I'm yeah, big big lizardy thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. The big, yeah. The big we, iguana. We we saw it for about six minutes in that film uh, Godzilla. In between all the that scenes was the one. With, yeah. yeah, with with with, with, that, with, with, with what's his, what's his name? Aaron Ta- Taylor, Taylor Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson and his nurse wife. I actually, actually did okay in the box office. So it was going to be a sequel yeah, yeah. as we knew. It's got a date now. Has it's it got, got a, a date? Brand new date. I uh, Mark... They were lining this up, weren't they, with Kong Skull Island, and there was going to be a versus movie, this, this Kong thing. versus well, Godzilla. They've actually dated Kong uh, versus Godzilla now. Okay, go on. What do you so, got? So Godzilla two uh, that is now going to be uh, March twenty second, two thousand and nineteen, and then Godzilla versus Kong, which will be mm-hmm. the official title. Uh, May 29th, twenty ninth, twenty twenty, and there is also a couple of dates for. The untitled DC comics movie. Yeah, hang on, no, no, we don't need to worry about us. We don't need to worry about us because they. they... Oh, are you being paid off by Disney again? You are, aren't you? I couldn't possibly speak to this enormous wad of money that has somehow appeared on our desk. <laughs> um, what is that giant sack of a dog on it? <laughs> and why has it got mouse ears? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think we need to worry about that because after Justice League, there won't be any more DC movies. They'll just shut them down on the reboot. Um, that you know, that sounds like a joke until you realise that DC Comics reboot about every two years. Mm. The actual comics reboot constantly. Yeah, all the time. so all the, the time. movies are gonna do that. They'll run out Affleck's contract. Well, after Justice League, we'll get the Batman, and that'll be it. That, well, that's gonna be it. Let's get Alec Baldwin. Yeah, that's what we need to do. Get Alec Baldwin, do to the Dark be... Knight Returns, and yeah. and yeah, that's that's what we'll do. Get Alec Baldwin's Dark Knight Returns, and and, and call it a day. That's that's all we need to do. Sorted. Apart from that, I am all out of film news. Give it over week. to Greg Berlanti to do, and, and I'm oh, sure. Kreisberg, yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. Wouldn't oh, you, you, you have not seen this week's Flash. 
No, I have not seen this week's Flash. I've had the pleasure. No, you've you've had okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Don't 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 spoil me. I know Kevin Smith directed it, but that, that's good. yeah. And uh, Zach Stentz has written it. He did uh, First Class, X Men First Class, and oh, yeah. Four, and he's done what was it uh, the Power Rangers movie as well? Is written there. Ah, I have faith in that movie. Yeah. Oh, by the way, obviously this is not this is not visual components, so we can't really include it. But have you seen the new Power Rangers outfits? Yeah, the shiny Iron Man. Shiny Iron Man things. Um, kind of like the iPod, like, <laughs> versions I, of... I, I really like... Like the, the iPod there's been like, a, there's been like a controversy thing that's come out around it, though. Really? Because apparently it, it's... Uh, it's a bit untoward, apparently, that the women, the female characters, have been equipped with boob armour and heels. Oh, I have heard about this. Yeah, yeah actually, this has yeah, apparently yeah. offended people, to which you just think, well... If you'd not included that, because there was always the feministic argument to make, you're not protecting boobs. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Protect the boobs. <laughs> Protect the boobs. <laughs> That's coming with a plot as well. That, that really is it. <laughs> Rita Repulsa, Rita Repulsa arrives. Yeah. And, you know, the conquest of boobs. Um, there is actually a bit of a, a fan theory doing the rounds that because uh, Elizabeth Banks's look so closely resembles the Power Rangers ones, mm. that she actually is the former Green Ranger. That's interesting. Now that yeah. would be That'd interesting. Be very cool. Rita Repulsa was a ranger gone bad. Would that mean that at the end she she turns good and then turns white, turns to a turns to a white ranger? This is not Austin Powers three. But that's what happens in the. I don't even remember Austin Powers three other than look. No, Storm no, no. You see, you're ruining. Don't ruin this for me because I still have hopes that Zac Efron turns up in the third act as the <laughs> mysterious Tommy Oliver and becomes oh, the yeah. White Ranger. That's how this has to go. <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be Zac Efron with a man bun or nothing. That's how this works. Do you really want to see a man bunned Zephron? I like Zephron, but can he? Can he yeah, do but the original bun? Tommy had the long hair, didn't he? He works, yeah, yeah, and, good, and yeah. it worked. And it just, worked. just get him, just get the seventy-two-year-old Tommy or whatever. I'm, I'm, just, I'm now. just looking forward to the inevitable. He's not like. He, do you know he was an MMA fighter? He went into MMA. That does not. And he me. really publicised himself, and then died on his ass in his first fight. Really? And uh, yeah, he's still doing. He's a, like a firm fixture at conventions and things. Though. Oh, yeah. uh, but um, I can't wait for his inevitable cameo as the high school teacher, because that's yeah, clearly years. going to, or the gym teacher or something. It's clearly yeah. going to be the case. I hope we all have cameos. Oh, I do. That'd as well. be ace. But I think I think there's a lot of them that would rather forget about having ever been Power Rangers. But it didn't seem to be a happy place to work, particularly for the Blue Ranger, apparently. But mm. uh, yeah, his his story is just. That, that his story would actually make a better movie than a new Power Rangers movie, but mm. you know, Brian Cranston was in uh, Power Rangers. He was the voice of Lord Zed, wasn't he? No, not not Lord Zed. It was oh, just some random villain. Oh, I thought it was Lord Zed. Maybe it was well, but I don't know. Huh, oh well, let's. Oh, oh, Cranston's got a new job. Heard about this? Is this for Channel Four thing? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's oh, okay. ten part Philip K. Dick. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, is, is on, this on Channel, Channel 4? Four? Is this Channel yeah. Four? Oh, okay. So it, it's Do Androids Dream? I think it's yes. called. And this is going to be a ten part anthology based on the works of Philip K. Dick. Yeah. What? All over that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all over that, Dick. That, that's amazing. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of hoping it's like Black Mirror meets Jumbo. <laughs> well, they've not got Black Mirror anymore, so we kind of need something to yeah. fill. Kind of need something to fill the void there. So Brian Cranston loves Dick. Yep, it seems so. You can say that. And on that note, here it is, your moment of cage. I guess I was pretty horny, pretty uh, keyed up from being with the girl right before. I was drunk, too. That was it. I'd had a little to drink. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.